Good design is good business, but great design can be a game changer. Whether you need a new company logo, dynamic presentation decks, or want to bring a Winwood-style mural to your corporate office or event, Thunderous Genius will exceed all of your expectations. The Thunderous team has worked with your favorite sports franchises, athletes, and entertainers, and can't wait to bring that perfect blend of creativity and structure to you as well. So contact them at thunderousgenius.com. Say that the fish tank sent you and receive a 50% discount off your first project. Half off! So what are you waiting for? It's time to get Thunderous. And now, on to the show. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans, number one, one. of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank. Seth Levitt here with OJ McDuffie in the Fish Tank Studios on your Five Reasons Sports Network. Juice, what's happening, man? What's up, Big Seth? Oh, you know, just glad to be back in here with you. Yes, and sir. I think, you know, we've had a lot of great guests, uh, really just hitting home runs every week. But I think we have a diamond in the rough here today, Juice. Right. <laughs> and a, an unexpected gem. That's exactly that people what people have it is. no idea about, right? No clue. And I mean, if you think of the names that we've had come through the studios here, Zach Thomas, Pat Sertan, uh, Sam Madison, Shannon Crowder, I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, and, and the name that we have here today may not ring the same way with fans, but I think by the time they're done with this podcast, they're going to be begging for him to come back. Absolutely. I mean, Tony he... Eggless, man, in the house. <laughs> Tony, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I, uh, I was looking forward to coming on and, uh, and spending some time with you and Juice. That's what's up right there, man. You know, that's, that's what I love about the guys that have been on, man. You know, they don't know what to expect at first, Seth. They really don't. But the, the anticipation. I think we booked Tony a while ago. You know what I mean? So he's probably had a lot of time to think <laughs> about. Been a little scared, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. I've been, I've been booked for at least a couple months now. Right. Right, yeah. right. So one of the first guys we had on the I list, love it. and actually, Tone. So when when OJ and I thought about what this was, and even in our intro show, we we led on to this a little bit. Certainly, the former players, right? Everybody wants to hear from the former players and those stories, and they've been great. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that have come through the team in one way or the other, and and had connections to the organization, and part of Dolphins Nation, and have great stories to tell, and had experiences. Right. That, uh, you know, you tell amongst your friends and, and are commonplace for you. But when we all sit back and remember these things. Such good stuff. It is, it is Such great good stuff. <laughs> and, and, and I think that you're right there on the top of the list. And, and so uh, Juice and I made sure that we put you on there. Glad that you could make it work. I know that your schedule is busy these days. Happy to be here. Happy yeah, to be here. It's awesome. So, Tone, just let's educate the listeners a little bit, uh, you know, about your career. And you were the head equipment manager. When I worked for the team, you were the head equipment manager. Right. But you, your career with the Dolphins spanned a few decades. Yeah, I was there for 20 years. I started, um, heck, right out of high school. I um, I went to Pace High School, which was next door to St. Thomas University, where the Dolphins used to mm-hmm. practice. You know, when I got to St. Thomas on a on an ac- half academic scholarship, only half. Yeah, that's all they give me. <laughs> that's all I was worth. Dubbed two classes. I think you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, man, you know, I, I missed I missed playing football a lot. So I'd go every every day to practice, and I think um, I bothered them enough that you know they, they thought to themselves, "I'm like, we're going to run this idiot right out of here." <laughs> so I started vacuuming and taking out the garbage and and uh, folding towels at night. I did that for two years for free just so I had enough, you know, I worked during the day and had enough money to pay for gas and insurance, that kind of stuff. Helped my mom and my dad out. And uh, in 19, I guess 1991, Coach Shula 
asked if I was interested in being the runner. I, I, I didn't know. No, what that was. I, I had no idea what it was, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I want to be the runner. <laughs> yeah, I want to be the runner. And all the the runner was essentially those still photos that the quarterbacks look at on the sidelines. At the time, the rule was those pictures had to be taken up on the coach's press box and the runner would run them down to the offensive coordinator was the rule, hand them to the offensive coordinator who was Gary Stevens when I started and Gary would do nothing but just hand them to Dan because <laughs> Dan wasn't having any of, you know, listening to Gary. And so I'd hand them to Gary. Gary would give it take them to Dan, take them to Dan. So I'd ultimately wind up breaking the rules, giving them to Dan and then running Right back upstairs. It's crazy. Um, no iPads back then, I guess. No, no. Isn't no. that something? Now, think about some of the older stadiums that right. you know aren't. I, I remember Mile High Stadium, the old Denver Stadium. I thought I was going to die. Right, right. I thought I'm dying. <laughs> I literally thought I was going to die, dude. You know, so I, I spent, you know, I did that for a little while, and, and I was kind of Coach Shula's glorified football secretary. I was an administrative assistant. If you think about it, at the time, there were only two PCs in the entire building. Two. Wow, that's hard to imagine. And I was the only one that knew Microsoft Word. <laughs> so I what, what I, year is this, Tony? This is nineteen ninety one. Wow. So I made a um, I you know every now and then I, I I don't know if I you call it a stupid idea or a brilliant idea, but I made this uh, little table type chart on Microsoft Word, and I built up enough courage to go to Coach Shula and I said, Hey, Coach we can use this out of practice. We can chart our offensive plays and use this out of practice. Were you like sweating before you oh walked in the office? <laughs> you dude, you have no idea. And you know, he had this kind of ability. You remember me, he had this kind of ability. He'd stare at you and never blink. Right. And so he's looking at me with those little glasses and he goes, let me see it. So I, you know, he took the paper out of my hand and he goes, where would you write shit? <laughs> and, I, you know, I said, well, you put down in distance here. Here would be the formation, the play, what yard line, and then the result would be over here to the right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I like it. Let's use it tomorrow. And that was kind of how I revolutionized Miami worked Dolphins my way in right there. That's awesome you know? right there. Man. What year was that, Tom? 1991. That was 91. And 19... then from there, so you were the runner. I was the runner. Created went to, the chart. Went, um, PC man. PC man. I was the runner. Head then, of IT. <laughs> then I was, uh, I was the assistant equipment manager for half a season, six months. And then in 1995, Coach Shula winds up letting go the current equipment manager. I was 25 years old at the time. And again, brilliant idea or dumb idea. <laughs> I put together a 26-page proposal on why I should get the job. 26 25. pages. Yeah. Nice. And I, he, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mature enough for that. No, that that's impressive. I actually pages. took it to, into his office, and I said, Coach, and he looks up, you know, gives me that stare, and I, I said, Coach, may I have a moment of your time? Yeah, come on in. He goes, uh, I only have a minute. I said, How the hell are you going to get through a minute? <laughs> 26 <laughs> pages in a minute. That's it. Well, it was easy. I, I said, I said, Coach, I, I'd like to be considered for the job of equipment manager. I, I put together a proposal on what I would do if, if I was given the opportunity. And um, he had a big pet peeve. His big pet peeve at the time was players just kind of arbitrarily walking in and out of the equipment room. Because the notion was always that stuff was coming and going. Right. And I and he goes, well, what are you going to do if I give you the job? What are you going to do about guys coming into your equipment room? We got to stop that shit. And I said, Coach, that's actually addressed in page fourteen. <laughs> Ready for that? And he he goes in here, and he takes it from my hand. You know, he kind of licks his hand and he goes to page fourteen and he looks at it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, 
Well, I'll let you know. That was it. That was it. I was in and out. About a month later, because I did that in January, right after the season was over, a month later, he calls me upstairs. He goes, I'm going to give you a shot, even though you're a rookie. I'm going to give you a shot. How cool is that? And, uh, and you better make good of it. And, and that was it. You know, then I spent the next 13 years as a head guy. That sounds like the, the, the call I got from Shula when he called me and said, you know, they're going <laughs> yeah. to draft me. We're going to give you a shot. That's it. You know, you're a rookie. We're going to give you a shot. You, you know, had a little man, better same, intro, though. Well, I'm just saying, you. though, man. It's like. He had a better pedigree. But you can relate to it. You know, I'm a dumb Cuban from Hialeah. OJ came, you know, big time first rounder from Penn State. You know? A little different, a little different. But could you use a PC is the question. Were you able I to? I could not use a PC. I could, not like Tony. Yeah. You know, no, no way in the world. You ever see Tony like on Tony. Excel? No. He talk about a spreadsheet. Yeah. I can make Microsoft Excel sing and dance. Right. You know that OJ was. On my first date with my wife. That's right. <laughs> he right. Was, what? He was. This, this we went to the Baja Beach Club. This is true. Baja Beach, the first time I ever went out with Lissette. I mean, if we it was were, a Baja Beach Club, I imagine Juice might have yeah, been. The, the, the what one night four, was this? One in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Correct. One in it, Fort it Lauderdale. Was amazing. It was It was a great spot, yeah. though. Yeah. It was that right over there off of uh, Oakland Park. It was it Oakland Park in uh, Federal, mm-hmm. I think? Yeah, that right was over it. There. They had a nice little setup over uh, there. To this day, I credit yeah. OJ for... For my demise. <laughs> no, no, it was, we, we can edit anything. Trust me, we can edit anything you want. No, that's, he was on my first date with Lisette, and here I am. You know, we we're actually going to Alaska. Uh, we leave in couple in a couple of weeks, and we are celebrating our twentieth awesome. wedding anniversary. Wow! And we are actually renewing our vows on an iceberg by an Eskimo priest. What? How's that? Yeah. That's how you do it right yeah. there. I mean, Who came up with that? Lisette. Lisette came up with She does all the travel she stuff. she turn in a 20-something page yeah. proposal? No, 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 no. I know she, how much you love cold weather. Yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I just see my, hey, I'll show up. Yeah. You know, you know, a Cuban-American couple yeah. going to Alaska to re- renew their vows. It That's seems awesome. pretty traditional yeah. to That's me. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> hey, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. So, Tony, obviously, you know, your proposal and everything to Coach Shula, it worked out well. It worked out well, and you became the, the equipment guy, and you know what I mean? And you always looked out for me, which I always appreciate. You know, some guys just don't know how to act. See, I, I figured mm-hmm. I knew how to act. The one thing I always loved was equipment, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, gloves or T-shirts and or wide receivers or, did like some Always. Not new shoes, you know, whatever it was, man. So you really got close to, to coach. You know, coach is always into our conditioning, especially during training camp. We had a, you know, the 12-minute run. The 12-minute run. run, yeah. You know, we always did a lot of gassers. You know, and coach himself was always into conditioning himself. We ran all the time. Mm-hmm. He, and, he and Stu, I mean, you see them out there running, like, all the time. But there's one time he, he blew his Achilles out. Yeah. Oh, out yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's uh, – <laughs> and, that, yeah. and that, then I think your, your role might have changed a little bit with coach at that I, point, I too, as, the, as well as what you were doing. You were like a man of many jobs at, at, yeah. with this team at that point. Yeah, yeah, I was the assistant equipment manager at the time when he had his Achilles injury, and I was I was still helping out with, you know, football stuff, doing doing stuff for the field, charting plays. and um, No more running? No, I wasn't. No, no more running. Thank Good. God. <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't have made it. I, I, I lost 15 pounds. Doing that. <laughs> so I was the, the assistant equipment manager at the time. And, and lo and behold, he, he blows out his Achilles tendon. And th- that guy was just tough as nails, dude. Just tough as nails. I would tell him, coach, are you in any kind of pain? And, no pain. You know, and he'd wave his hands kind of like, you know, now he, how he does. And, and so he, he needed to be taken to and from on a golf cart is how the whole thing kind of started. But coach never liked to wear the headsets on the sideline. It just, for whatever reason, it bothered him. He didn't, he didn't like it. And, and so he, they needed someone to drive him around that knew 
the terminology. And since I charted plays, hell, I knew exactly what to tell him. You know, all I'm doing is just listening to Gary and then regurgitating what Gary says. And so I remember calls like a big to do because corn, corn, remember corn? Yeah. Oh yeah. He corn, <laughs> corn, um, Corn wanted the job. TJ Priest apparently remembers yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Corn wanted the job. And, and he was bent out of shape because I was doing it. I mean, bent out of shape, throwing things around. And, and Corn, you know, Corn was a little, you know, he was a little bit no different. No disrespect you know? to Corn, but Corn probably wasn't qualified for the position. Well, he didn't want to, he, right. he didn't want to hear that, you know. And so I, I start, you know, I, I finally settle things with Corn, but we we had a, just a huge blowout and settle things with Corn. And we start out that I'm going to drive them all over the place. But mind you, I have all of the responsibilities of of the equipment room, which, by the way, 1994 was the first year of the quarterback communication system. Wow. Which we were still kind of. You know, anything at its infancy is difficult. So we were, we were working hard and, and, you know, the, the quarterback communication system would every now and then would cut in and out and it was difficult. And I, I remember one day I, I'm grabbing all the helmets because you had to have all the backup helmets for the quarterbacks out at practice too, just in case. And I'm grabbing all the helmets. Coach Shula was on the other side of the field and he just gives me that kind of that wave. I dropped five helmets on the floor. I was like a dead sprint, just dead sprint. So. You know, I, I get out to where he was, and he looks at me. You know, he gives me that stare. He's like, where the f were you? And I said, Coach, I, I was getting the quarterback stuff. I, I thought Stu was going to bring you out. He goes, Well, see, that's a problem. You were thinking again. And like, Don't think. And it was, man, it was my first year. I know, right? So he, every, you know, if the wind blew, Coach would get on me about something, and I'm like, Oh my God! And he goes, You know, you know, he goes, You know those hedges on the way out? And I said, Yes, sir. And he goes, well, look at them. They're in the back of the effing trunk. And sure enough, I look in the back of the, I look in the back of that golf cart and that thing's just full of all these kind of ficus hedges. Cause what happened was Stu would back up his car, you know, over the sidewalk. And so in the morning when I took him out for that walkthrough, it was either hit his car or run him like into, run him through the, through the hedges. So I start to kind of like lean over for the hedges and he goes, Hey, Hey, where'd you get your license? <laughs> And I said, Coach, I, I got to talk to Stu. I, I, he can't keep backing up your car like that. I, you know, I, we have no room to get out. And so that whole golf cart thing, dude, that took a little getting used to. I'd imagine. Oh, my goodness. Here, I'll tell you what. First game that we actually get on the sidelines with that golf cart. I, he didn't miss a game, right? right. No, he had no, surgery. no, no, no. First game, and you can look this up, Monday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs. And Paul Tagliabue was at the game. To this day, I will argue with anyone, I don't care who it is, that when Coach Shula was in the NFL, he was by far and away the most powerful and most influential individual in the entire league. And I remember Paul Tagley, who comes down, he says, hey, Don, listen, um, th this might not be the best idea. You know, you, This being the golf cart the golf on cart. the sideline. Um, yeah, right. okay. the golf cart, this may not be the best idea. That golf cart, we get somebody hurt, somebody runs into it. And I kind of got the impression that's why the commissioner was there. Boy, coach lit him up like a Christmas tree, like the Christmas tree at the Rockefeller Center. You know, don't you effing tell me what to do. This is my same. I'll do it. And, and it, you know, it was just so bad that Paul Tagliabue looked at him. He goes, okay, Don, whatever you want. I'll go up to the press box. He goes, yeah, you go up to the press box. Damn. You know, sure. Paul Sent Tagliabue. The commissioner. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. That's yeah, right yeah. There. But he didn't, he didn't mess around. I'm, I'm telling you, he was the most powerful and, and deservedly so. Right. He was the most powerful man in the entire league. And you were driving around on a golf cart. I was driving around. So here we go. Hitting the bushes. Game starts. And John Gamble 
served as kind of like our get back guy, our strength and conditioning coach at the time. And here we go. First play from scrimmage. We kick off to them. This kid takes it 95 yards the other way. So at the end of the game, at the end of the play, coach is like completely turned around because we were at one angle and the play finishes up at another angle. He looks down at me and he says, you make sure I'm at an effing angle where I could see each and every play. You know, not. So you were supposed to know this guy was going to take it back, and you got to whip that golf cart around, which is so easy. Right. Golf cart's yeah, so sure. easy to reverse and forward, reverse, reverse and forward. It's making that with noise. A whole sideline full of people and equipment. That's the easiest I, job in the world right there. On occasion, not not often, but on occasion, I'd build up enough tam- temerity to, to say something. And I look up at him. I, I say, Coach, this isn't the Flintstones. I can't just pick this thing up and turn it around. And he, he looks down. He looks down at me. He goes, don't you talk back to me. Because I'll have you out of here tomorrow. Well, he I, just said the commissioner of yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, somebody I mean, else can, oh, can run the PCs. I, I imagine I can find somebody else. I was to completely do it. deflated for the rest of the game. You know, that was all she wrote. But then, you know, from, from the golf cart, we actually graduated into that kind of mini scooter that you see now on those commercials. And that's what, that's what he started using. So that became a challenge in and of itself because that thing had to be taken apart and put back together again all the time. Right. So when we, when we finally got that thing, we were, we were playing San Diego and, um, he expected that the thing, you know, the little scooter or whatever you want to call it was going to go up on the plane up like literally beside him someplace. Right and, there in first class. Yeah. yeah, yeah right, right, right sitting beside him. And I couldn't pull it up into and, the plane. And, and I said, coach, I, you know, I, I think we'd be breaking every major FHAA rule. I, I don't, I don't think we can do that. FAA rather. And, and I go, it's going to have to go in the belly of plane. And he goes, he looks at me, he starts, and you could tell, I could tell, I knew by this time he didn't like something. And I think he was afraid that it was going to break down there, getting tossed around. And then you were going to have to drive his ass around on the golf yeah. course. Right. <laughs> That's the last thing right, you wanted. Right, right. And, and I said, Coach, you don't need to worry. I can take it apart, put it back together in, in five minutes flat. And he goes, yeah, show me. <laughs> so sure enough. On the tarmac. Yeah, <laughs> right, right there. I had, to go, I had to go get the thing from downstairs, take it upstairs, take it apart, put it back together while he watched me Under do the pressure. Whole thing. Oh, yeah. While he watched me do the whole thing. Did you pull you know? it off? Yeah. Of we, we, yeah you know, everything yeah, out yeah. without... I, listen, I would never tell him something if I wasn't sure. I learned that lesson. I learned that lesson. That's classic. That's great. Well, you know, I... As a, I called myself a kid at the time. I was in college in 94 and would watch the games. I remember I was like, man, that guy's got the coolest job in the world and he's driving around coach full of, you know, you start to work in the league, you realize that is not the coolest no. job in the world. No. But that's where, you know, I first started to see who Tony was. 96, I came in and, and had a chance to, to develop a friendship and work with you. But 96 was also, more importantly, the first year for, for Jimmy Johnson. And yeah. just as you had developed a close relationship with a tough coach in Coach Shula, you eventually developed a really close relationship with Jimmy. I wouldn't call it close. <laughs> well, I thought it was close. Was Jimmy close to anybody? Was Jimmy close to anybody? You know, other than maybe other Zach than Ke- and JT? Kevin O'Neill. Kevin you know, O'Neill. Kevin was his guy. Yeah. Bob Ackles. You know, Kevin was yeah. his guy. Bob Ackles was his guy. But he was, in terms of football support, Kevin O'Neill was, was his dude, you know? No question. And, and rightfully so. They, they had been back at University of Miami together. And, Dallas and, and, and so, things, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, all I ever heard was that, boy, you're really going to enjoy being a Jimmy guy. Being a Jimmy guy is great. And, 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 you know, it was one of those things that they build up kind of like when you're about to meet a girl and they, they tell you how fine she is. And then you see her and ruined a good movie. She, you know, she's a little squidgety around the edge. <laughs> and, and so, you know, squidgety. I start working for coach, for coach Johnson. And listen, I was just thankful that he let me stay. Right. Me too. Yeah. I felt the same way about my position. I, I was just thankful he let me stay. And, um, 
when he comes aboard, I guess what it was his second year where he decides he's going to, you know, he's going to get married to his longtime um, love. So th- this was actually a few years later. Yeah. This oh, this was a, the, the marriage was later on. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, and that was, uh, if you're referring to, and this is why I thought you guys had a close relationship is that I remember he invited you down. He had this unbelievable home in, in Isla Mirada. Yes. And, yeah. and you got the invite and you're, Hey Seth, I'm going down, you know, staying at coach, Shul- uh, coach Johnson's house tonight. Yeah, wow. well, I, I I thought you know I felt privileged at first. I, it was more like Sammy and Akeem from <laughs> coming from, to America. Coming to America. <laughs> you know, hey, come here, come on, come over. I'm throwing a party at my house, and it was one. I of know, those, it was a big shot. Juice. It was one of those. It was one of those deals. Or it turned out to be anyway. Really? Yeah. He tells us that he he wanted me, Joe, and Charlie to help him set up for his his big party. And at the time, I was like, shit, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm get to set up for Jimmy and. And this is a, this is a big deal. Right. So we we start talking about all these plans, and I remember Mr. Jones may rest in peace. He comes over and he and he comes down to the equipment room and he says, "You make sure that that becomes a you know a fun deal." He goes, "Just make sure you do what you got to do to make that a fun deal." And I you know I'm thinking I'm more along the lines of the wedding planner. All that kind of stuff. I thought he was going to be sipping Heineken. I thought he was hanging. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought it was yeah, going to so, be. Exactly so right. I. I was kind of Jimmy, envious. the coaches, the whole I, staff. Yeah. I couldn't sip any Heinekens. I had blisters <laughs> on my hands. So I couldn't sip any Heinekens. It, it turns out they give me this kind of list of stuff we're supposed to get. And I'm going through this list and I'm, you know, we got to go get so many cases of Corona, so many cases of Bud Light, so many cases of Coke, so many cases of Diet Coke. So many cases of this, a daiquiri machine, this, that, and the other, a partridge in a pear tree. And then it kind of dawns on me, dude, this isn't an invitation. This is, they need somebody to move this shit around. And so we, we go out, we rent this dollar rental, you know, one of those box trucks. And we, we start going to the stadium to get all this stuff and going to Costco or uh, BJ Sam's or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever it was at the time, go buy all this stuff. And we're just loading cases. In cases, I'm sweating like a hostage doing all this stuff. It's the middle of the summer. We start loading all this stuff, and finally, it's now we got to go pick up this daiquiri machine. You know, well, we have three dudes. You know, I'm thinking, how hard can it be? It's a daiquiri machine. You know, for Christ's sake, and one's right. Charlie. Yeah, and one right. of Charlie. Right. Was, you know, right. Char- Charlie. Who doesn't right. know Charlie's a six one? Exactly, a month. You know, yeah, he could play in the league, right? You know? Exactly, yeah. Char- right. Charlie can play linebacker someplace. So we go get this. We go pick up this daiquiri machine. And I forgot where we went to go go pick it up. Dude, this thing had to have been 600 pounds. <laughs> Me, Joe, and Charlie were, uh, we, 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 I thought we were going to die putting this thing in the truck. And you're the guys who load the plane with all the yes. equipment, tons yeah. of equipment. I mean, right. so, so this thing was yeah. heavy for you guys. The, oh, my goodness. So we load up this daiquiri machine. We finally get this thing on the truck and all of you know, all the things that go with this daiquiri machine. Load everything on the truck. And, and so by this time now, I'm, I'm kind of I'm starting to get bitter. Because I, I see, I saw the writing on the wall, you know. You it, haven't it, even driven to the keys. Yeah, yet. it had already dawned on me that, right. boy, this, man, this isn't, this isn't what <laughs> I thought it was going to be. be. <laughs> you know, I got hoodwinked on this deal. So we decide, all right, we're going to meet at the facility and drive down the next day. Load up the truck. We lock everything up. Charlie was going to drive down because he had to leave. Joey and I had to stay the night. So I, I remember telling Joey, yeah, I'm not much of a sleeper. I don't sleep during the day. You know, so I, I kind of telling him, hey, we'll maintain conversation while while you drive down. Dude, I was out. <laughs> I was out like a light because I was so tired Way from the day Joey before. You know, I was, I was so tired from the day before. So we, we pull into this driveway and here's this unbelievable house 
We pull into the really driveway amazing. and okay, it's time to start unloading. Boy, first thing, and it was like slow motion in a movie. I look up and I was like, Charlie, behind you, the case of Corona, and here you just bottles of Corona breaking on the driveway. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, we're fired. That's it. This is it. It's over. So here, we, the first thing we, I mean, we haven't even started to unload just by opening the thing up a case of Corona all over the driveway. We're here picking up glass, you know, trying to find trash cans. My hands bleeding. Cause I get cut with the glass. And you're going to have 200 barefoot people walking yeah, around there. The yeah, next right. day. Just, a, it was a nightmare. Now they had these figurines, these life, these kind of adult size figurines of animals. They had like a giraffe, they had a zebra and Rhonda's there with her best friend. And she was like, can you guys move these for us? Yeah, sure, ma'am. No problem. Now they weren't that heavy. It wasn't that they were heavy. We're moving these things from one place to the other, but you know, it was, ah, I don't like it there. Let's move it over here. <laughs> so, okay. So they're sitting back drinking a cocktail Watching you guys as you're moving these things. Yeah, we were moving these things all. I'm telling you, like a Keeman semi. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at one point, I feel like you told me that you guys had to literally comb the beach because Jimmy lived right on the. Well, (laughs) you're not there. I'll get you. I'll get you there. (laughs) So we finished working that night with Joey and I. Charlie takes off, and and and, you know, having the benefit of retrospect now, Charlie was the smartest one of us. Three out because he took off. Joey and I finish around 11.30. Now it's time to go up to bed. We're going to go to bed because we got to get up early in the next day to get, get ready for this party. Get in there, and Joey is the first in the shower because I'm thinking, listen, I want to take my time, take a hot shower, get to bed. All right, get into the, we get into the house. The air condition's broken. All right, man. Ah, no problem, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Get upstairs, and Joey comes out in a towel and says, Tony, I don't know how to tell you this, but there's no hot water. I, I, I'm, I don't I think that's how he told dude, I, you know, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any. So there's no hot water. The air conditioning ro- is broken. So I, there's a fan in the room. I turn on the fan and I'm kind of like a sleep diva. I, you know, anything kind of like a diva. diva. Anything <laughs> wakes me up, you know, <laughs> and the, the fan's going tuck, 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 tuck. So I couldn't sleep with the fan on. We turned the fan off without the AC and. <laughs> Uh, again, any little thing wakes me up. So Miss Rhonda's friend, she's out watching TV and she's watching TV. And she's one of those people that'll sleep with the TV on and the TV's full blast. And I'm I, I'm tossing and turning the entire night. <laughs> I'm at home thinking Tony's living it up with Coach, <laughs> right. man. So here we go. Finally, I, I, I don't know how it worked out, but I fall asleep. It's seven in the morning, eight in the morning, whatever it is. And I see Joey just get up. Tony! Tony, coach, <laughs> coach Johnson's coming. So we're both pulling out of bed. I'm, I, I can I, totally see yeah, Joey. Like, I can see it. I, I can see it in his face. I'm just climbing out of bed. Nobody brushes their teeth. I got, you know, that, that, that crusty stuff yeah, you get in your sweet. eyes. Yep. And coach, coach, you know, walks into the bedroom. He goes, are you guys going to sleep all day? He's probably been up <laughs> for four hours. <laughs> you know? Right. He had a good night's sleep. Rest so he's downstairs and the, <laughs> I guess a surge had brought all this seaweed up to the beach. Well, he's got this bobcat, one of those mini bobcats. And I, you know, I'm Joey and I just kind of stand there with, you know, deer with the headlight in the headlights look. And he goes, well, we're going to rake up the beach. We meaning, I guess, (laughs) French, because (laughs) we met me and Joe, you know? So we start raking up this beach and filling up 
the the Bobcat, bobcat while yeah. he drove the Bobcat, and then <laughs> and then no, takes it out. Oh, Jimmy did drive the Bobcat. Yeah, Jimmy's <laughs> driving the Bobcat. So uh, I'm just chasing. Him we're raking this beach, and I swear, it, it was like. Man, we had filled up that bobcat three times. I wish we had we, video. Man, we, it was like we hadn't done anything. anywhere. We weren't doing anything. It was like we weren't moving. And I don't have gloves on. I'm sunburned now. By the, you know, I'm just, I got, and, and I'm starting to develop blisters on my hands. And now, Joe, you know, Joey, who's, God bless him, Joey never gets angry at anything. He's got that, that gift of the Lord. Even Joe's starting to get really perturbed at this point. You know, he goes, Boy, this this thing sucks being out here, you know. So not so much of an honor anymore. We finish breaking the beach for the seaweed, and now it's time we got to go get ice to set up the coolers. Well, we get the you know I have my credit card from the my team credit card, and we uh we start going to Bass Outdoor World or whatever the equivalent is of down there, and then Coach sends us to this one place where they know him. It's where he gets his bait. We get there, and this thing just stinks to high heaven. It's a, you know, they process fish and all that kind of stuff there. So I'm like, oh, my (laughs) God. Well, at this, Joe couldn't care less. Joe just wanted to get the whole day over with. So the guy sends us to the back. We had bought these those 50-gallon drum trash cans, bought five of them. We, um, We start taking it. He goes, yeah, you go get the ice back there. And we, it's a literally like a walk-in freezer where the ice drops from, from some contraption up top and it drops down to the floor. Well, here we go. We start shoveling, you know, all oh this ice. God. I'm in a freezer sweating. <laughs> so we're shoveling all this ice, start taking these things out to this little Toyota pickup truck that we were driving around. Joe drops the first one. And I'm like, Joey, I love you. But you drop another one of these trash cans, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't mean it as a euphemism. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> so we go back. We gotta we gotta shovel more ice, fill that thing up, then go buy some coolers. Get back to the place, to Jimmy's place, and now here you go with the coolers. We set up these coolers, put ice. All right, now it's time to put all the drinks in them. Make sure the drinks are cold by the time the guests get there. By the time we were done, buses are starting to pull in, and Lisette she pulls in. She yeah, rode, she, yeah, she rode Lisette with you. Rode with me. And she had a great time. Yeah, oh, I bet you did. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I pulled up at yeah. 2 o'clock. Cause this place is a palace. Yeah. It looked gorgeous. You guys did a hell of a job. Yeah. So. Right I mean, here. it was stunning. Look at this dude right the here. beach was immaculate. It was stunning. <laughs> we, they pull up. Lisette's in a great mood. Oh, man, we we're working out a good time. You know, this, this party's going to be great. And my, you know, my, my future husband is, is here. And he's really in charge of the whole deal. She was really proud. Yeah. Little did she know, when she gets off, she's like, honey, you want to go in the pool? Nah. <laughs> honey, you want to get in the water? Nah. I couldn't get you on the jet ski. You want to ride Nothing. the jet skis? Nah. <laughs> Nothing. What do you want to do? I, I literally, I just want this day to be over. Right. I, I, I just want this. <laughs> six o'clock, you know, six o'clock rolls around. And, um, and what time did Jimmy wake you up that morning? Like seven? Seven. seven. Six o'clock rolls around. And I, I walk over to him and I said, hey, coach, um, we got we to gotta drive this stuff back to Davey. Is it okay? And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate all your help. So then now me and Joey got to load this damn daiquiri machine back in the truck. <laughs> no and Charlie. It. No Charlie. Yeah, without Charlie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was a memorable oh, It was a hell of a party, Juice. <laughs> yeah. I know my experience was a little bit different. I had a great time. It was an honor to be invited by the head coach. And he got married. He yeah. got, his, Stu took him upstairs. He got married. Uh, so, you know, I guess Tony and I just had a little viewpoint, a different viewpoint on it. Yeah, I'd say. That was good stuff. We're going to take a quick break, pay a few bills, and be right back with Tony Eggwis, former Dolphins equipment manager, and can't wait to hear what he's got to tell us next. 
This is the Five Reason Sports Network. Sports by Miami for Miami on demand. We now have 10 podcasts in the network posting roughly 15 times per week. All can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and several cross-platform apps. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Miami Heat Beat. I'm in love with this young core. I think they have three really solid starter-type players in Winslow, J. Rich, and Bam. You know what's funny? I was literally just thinking that to myself like five minutes ago, but the fact that Gianni agrees with me really makes me second-guess it. <laughs> if you want to get involved as a sponsor or a contributor, reach out to us at number 5 Reason Sports on Twitter. And don't forget to punch 5 Reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. Welcome back to the Fish Tank. Uh, Tony, man, you've some great stories already. You told us, man, and, you know, as equipment manager and a runner, a lot of things that you've had to had to go through, you know, from driving Coach Shula around when he tore his Achilles <laughs> to, you know, what you had to do for Coach Jimmy Johnson, as well as, as his wife, Rhonda, you know, uh, down at the Isla Morada house where you had to do things that you weren't expected to do, man. It's kind of like a thankless job. Like, I mean, it's, you're thinking equipment manager. But at the same time, though, there are a lot of other jobs that you were forced to do along the way that you didn't know came along with that, that, I guess that that resume, or even when you apply for the job with Coach Shula, with the, you know, which yeah, that wasn't on my that proposal. That wasn't on the proposal, was it? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't on no, my proposal. Nothing What's... about driving or you know helping Coach, you know Johnson and and his wife Rhonda. Those those things weren't yeah. on the proposal at all. What's uh What's that old adage? Uh, the more you can do, kept me around for a while, you know. So no question. Hey, listen. At, at the end of the day, I'm 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 grateful to have participated in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, you know you what? Know? Yeah, really thankless jobs, and you know, obviously, you know, some faceless jobs. But at the same time, though, it also got you an opportunity to get some some acting involved. And I know, you know, oh, a lot yeah. of my buddies as yeah. well, you know, got a chance to be in any given Sunday. And I look at that movie to this day, and I still yeah. see your face all the time. On any given Sunday, how was that? that? Every every (laughs) time I see Tony there, are you still getting getting SAG checks? Still, you you have to join the Screen Actors Guild. Mm -hmm. You have to be a part of the Screen Actors Guild in order to be eligible. Um, But I got my Screen Actors Guild card there, and and I still get checks now. I think last year I only made four hundred bucks. Right. Listen, I'll take it. Right. I'm a police officer. Well, you know, Bobo, my brother, my boy That's Brian right. O'Neill, was in it. he was in it as well. And his SAG check comes here all the time <laughs> from any given Sunday. He also have, gets one from the replacements. And they come here, and they're usually around 30 40 bucks. We call it quarter deck money. You know, we're going to take that. We're going to cash. We're going to have some couple of drinks at the quarter deck. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like yeah. every once in a while we get a SAG check here too, man. So tell me about, you know, you and, and any given Sunday. That was, a, that was a great movie, by the way. You know, I, I remember that Nick Nolte, was, who was going to be the head coach, he was cast as the head coach at the time. Him, Oliver Stone, and a guy by the name of Clayton Townsend, who was their executive producer, they were touring the facility. And if anyone that knows me knows I got a little bit of OCD. So we, it was a Friday. A little. When they were, <laughs> it was a Friday we'll when they were coming that. through. <laughs> and we were packing, getting ready to go to a game. And he was so impressed. And when I say he, Oliver Stone was so impressed with the way we put things together, you know, and the, you know, how organized we were and so on and so forth. Well, it turns out that they needed someone that knew where to get things locally. Where do you, where do we get towels? Where, you know, how, who do we buy thigh pads from? Where would we get fans for the sidelines? And so those were all the questions that initially they started having. So the executive producer would stay in contact with me back and forth 
I remember they, they sent me this kind of series of questions and it was all basically questions on where do we buy this? Where do we buy that? So I put together, I went to Microsoft Excel and it took me 10 minutes, put together names, contacts, addresses, prices, you know, and I listed everything and I was, you know, fairly thorough. And I, he calls me and he says, Hey, listen, I got your list. Thank you. I emailed it to him. Can I take you and your wife out to dinner? We had just, Lisette and I just got married and, um, we go out to dinner. He goes, look, I'm the money guy. So, you know, please don't take anything I say as an insult. I usually aim to, you know, I aim low, but if it's a problem, we'll fix it. I promise we want you on board. And he goes, for the work you've already done for us, how does 5,000 sound? Well, dude, I'm, you know, we just got married. I'm 27 years, $5,000, you know, dollars, Lisette was drinking a Coke and she spit her Coke, like went back through her nose, you know, it started coming out of her nose. $5,000. I was like, yeah, oh, that's that. You know, I'm trying to sound professional. I was like, that's perfectly acceptable. So in the process, we, we continue maintaining touch and two years go by. Now Al Pacino is now cast as a head coach. And I get a call from Clayton Townsend. Hey, that they were having trouble. They were going back and forth with the NFL because the NFL wouldn't sanction the movie. We in the PR right. department, we got league wide memos mm -hmm. saying that you are to have nothing to do with this film, that right. there's all these subject matters that do not represent our league the right way. And so, I mean, so, you know, Harvey comes out, nobody's going to talk to anybody in this fucking movie. You know? And, and, and right. so we got the order. I go downstairs to Tony and he's on the phone with these guys. <laughs> he's running base camp over there. You know, I'll tell you what, and, and for this, I'm actually thankful. I, I, I went straight up to Coach Johnson's office and I said, Coach, listen, I, I got an opportunity to help these people out buying stuff, this telling them where, where to get things. And I probably hope to make a little money from it. And he was like, absolutely. Yeah, you got to do that, you know. Yeah, man, I think he understood. We were just, mm -hmm. I was just getting married. I was young. I wasn't making a lot of money. Well, you remember, you know? Jimmy also liked being that maverick. So the yeah. fact right. that oh, absolutely. didn't like it, he was like, Go absolutely. For it. Right. Jimmy enjoyed He thought it was cool. He, yeah, he enjoyed the, the kind of playing the rogue type fella. And so, nevertheless, I got the, you know, I got the, you know, the go ahead from Jimmy. And so I was in the process of just kind of helping these people out. So I get a call from Clayton Townsend and says, Hey, listen. We're, we're having some trouble with the NFL. We're having trouble with the script. Would you come down and talk to Oliver? I go, Oliver who? <laughs> Oliver Stone, the director. Oh, yeah, sure. Oliver Stone, the director. So, I, you know, I, I, get, I go down there. The offices were in Coconut Grove. I drive down there in the morning, and they, you know, as soon as I, I start on my way into the office, listen, he's only going to be, you know, with you for two minutes. He, he's got a very short attention span. He's just going to give you a couple minutes and then you're going to be out of there. And I, I said, yeah, yeah, sure. No, I mean, no problem. So I, I sit in the office and, and he comes and he, he, his hair looked like he had stuck his finger in a socket <laughs> and, and he was wearing one pink, one pink sock, one yellow sock. He looked like an unmade bed. So he walks through the door and there were no pleasantries exchanged. No, hi, how are you? I'm Oliver Stone. It was you know, your NFL is giving me a fucking hard time is what your he says. NFL. Your NFL. So I, I said, well, Mr. Stone, what, what are they, what exactly are they giving you a hard time with? And, and he says, you know, well, l listen to some of this stuff. And so he actually starts going through the script and I go, well, he, you know, wouldn't, it wouldn't be that way. He wouldn't say that. And so it was kind of, nah, stop. They, they wouldn't sound like that, like that either. And at one point he takes his glasses off and he kind of throws them. And, um, and I said, Mr. Stone, listen, 
if you want drama for your movie, then that's better left with your writers. You you called me in here ostensibly, or my understanding was, because you want realism. Well, what I'm telling you is realistic. What you have in there isn't. And so, believe it or not, a lot of the lines in the movie were him scratching what was on the script and me telling him what, what the head coach would say. What some you know, And it was simple stuff, kind of like, yeah, right now the offense isn't hitting on all cylinders, right. which you hear all the time. Right. It was just simple things like that. Well, I was in there with him for two and a half hours. Not, not 10 minutes. No, not, 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 not a couple minutes. minutes yeah. two, two and a half hours. And, uh, and so at the end, he looks at me and he goes, all right, so what do you want in exchange? And I said, well, what do I know? And I go, well, I want to be in the movie. And he goes, well, you'd have to audition because you could suck. <laughs> and, and I go, he was right. I mean, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... Here comes, we, we start the first day of shooting and it's at the Orange Bowl. Now it's, it's the off season. So, you know, it's not like we had commitments. Um, we go to the Orange Bowl. I'm going to stop you right there for a second. Right. Not like we had commitments. Your ass worked every day, 12 hours a day Correct. for 20 years with like three days off. This movie came out. He like disappeared, Juice. So, you know, you might have worked your ass off at Jimmy's party, but he and Bob Ackles gave you, I couldn't believe it. Every day. They gave me permission to go. Where's Tom? He's on the set. Yeah. Right. They they gave me permission to go. And so. Not like anything was going on. We. And there's, honestly, and we both know there's no off days for the the crew. Nothing. No. No, There's never a day off. Somebody's always in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. He was enjoying that Hollywood gig. I can tell you. (laughs) So we, we get down there. And, and if you're an extra in one of those movies, man, it's tough because you, you dress in, you dress in small quarters and you, you're not eating the same food as the regular cast and crew. And, and so it's, you know, you're, you're just, you're literally that you're just an extra person on, on set. And so at around in the afternoon after lunch, sometime, I think around three, I hear my name called over that bullhorn that the assistant director guy by the name of Richie Patrick would carry around. Now I'm in a bad mood, dude. I'm sunburned. I'm hungry. You know, and I stink. And I go over to this kind of little cubicle where Oliver Stone was sitting. And he says, you know, and Oliver was, you know, he was kind of a different fella. He he could be rude and got brilliant guy speaks five languages, but he was kind of a different guy. You know how they say artists can be different. And and sure enough, he fits that criteria. And so he tells his assistant director, he goes, let him sit down, get get the fuck out of here. So I, I sit in this chair and, um, and he goes, look at this scene. Tell me what you think of it. And then I remind him, I'm in a bad mood, dude. I'm tired and I'm sunburned. I look at it and I go, honestly? And he goes, yeah. And I go, I think it sucks. And he goes, why? What's wrong with it? And I said, well, one, two, three, four, and five. Those are your coaches? And I go, all these guys are Latin. Each one of them has a beeper, because that's when beepers were in. Each one of them has a beeper. They all have earrings and goatees. I go, coaches are young studs fresh out of college trying to make it into the NFL or old dinosaurs that have been there for 30 years. These guys look nothing like it. Richie. You asshole. And, you know, here we go. So five coaches automatically fired, offset. And we keep on. Here comes the next one. And he goes, and I go, stop. And he goes, what now? And I go, look at number 47. And he goes, what's wrong with him? And I go, he's my size, for Christ's sake. And he goes, well, he's a kicker. And I go, yeah. Now we're in number 47. He's not because that's against league rules. Richie, you idiot. <laughs> sure. Here we go. Number 47's gone. And Richie Patrick wants, wants to plot my assassination. At this point, as does half the cat. Right. Yeah. So now here, here we go. And I go, stop. And he takes his glasses. He heaves them against these monitors. And he goes, what? And I said, look at your number 62. And he goes, what's wrong with him? And I go, that's supposed to be an offensive lineman. 
This guy weighs 185 pounds soaking wet with his shoulder pads on. And I go, and I'll give you 100 bucks if four people to his right, that's not his twin brother, dressed as a security guard. Sure enough, it was his twin <laughs> brother, brother dressed as a security guard. Richie, you are an absolute moron. And, you know, here we, we wind up getting these people fired. <laughs> so... Are you sure you want this podcast yeah, yeah. to air? They're looking for these yeah. guys that didn't know why they got fired until. Well, they do now. now. <laughs> they do now. So at the end of the day, it's time to go home. I'm waiting by a bench and I, I wait for him to, for Oliver Stone and, and for Clayton Townsend to finish up because I wanted to speak to him. Not to mention the fact that I was afraid to go to my car because there was going to be a lynch mob there. <laughs> so I, I wait for him and, and I said, Mr. Stone, listen. And he goes, call me Oliver. I said, okay. And I said, Oliver. I'm sorry. I, I thought, I thought I was going to come out here and this was going to be more fun than what it was. I thought I was going to make some friends, and I go. All I've done is just make enemies. Nobody likes me around here, and and <laughs> I go and I I can't blame anybody for not liking me. And this just isn't what I thought it was going to be. And he goes, come back tomorrow. Everything will be fine. You'll, you know, you'll you'll be in a better mood, and you just need some rest. And I was like, you know, okay, I'll, I'll come back. You know, I'm thinking kind of reluctantly I'll come back tomorrow. Sure enough, I show up on set the next day, and there's a trailer with my name, like in a star, my name on it. What? Yeah. And inside was my contract for the, for the movie. They gave me a speaking part, and I had a sofa, which turned into kind of a sofa bed, a desk, TV, and most importantly, my own commode which I'm like a big bathroom guy, dude. I'm like a big, big bathroom. That was another reason why I, I, I'm, not using, not working for me. I'm not using those porta potties. So I, 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 you know, I would have quit just based on that. And so, I mean, that was a big, big deal. Huge deal. So I signed. Were you my beside co- Jamie or or LL? Where was your? Where was, no, so you're joking. Here. You're joking. So I went down to visit him. Yeah. He said, "Hey, my man, come on down to the set." And I'm like, "All right." So I drive down to the set and I walk and I pull up and there's some guy half sleeping and he's the security guy and I ask him, "Where do I go to get? To, I'm looking for Tony Eggless in the set." And he looks up. He's like, "Dude, I'm just an extra." He he wasn't even working. He was just dressed in costume. And I'm like, "Okay." So I'm kind of like working my around. Everybody's asleep. I see Bo. He's just like everybody's asleep. So Oliver Notar- uh, Oliver Stone would notoriously show up three four hours late Absolute to set because he was hitting South Beach the whole deal. That's and, funny. Yeah. And so uh, I called Tony. Where are you, man? He goes, "Here, come out. Oh, go by the trailers." I go by the trailers, and I walk up to this trailer, and there's the star. And sure as shit, Tony Eggless on the deal. And I'm passing. Like, I passed Cameron Diaz. Right. Not in her trailer. Like, hey, Cameron Diaz walked by her, Bill Bellamy, and whole, and boom, I knock on. Hey, my man, come on in. And he's watching Scent of a Woman. He's watching Al Pacino <laughs> yeah. films. He's got a DVD player. And we sit there for like, you want something to eat? And he calls up in there sending that food is, to us. Oh, he went big time that <laughs> day. Well, big great. time. That was great. And then... And then you get a knock on the door, and they said, uh, Tony, Oliver wants you on set in 30 minutes, but you got to hit hair and makeup first. I'm going, what the hell is going what, what kind of a gig do you have going on here? They take him to the set. He walks in. Bill Bellamy gives him the brother hug. Hey, what's up, Tony? <laughs> and they got pictures of him. The, the makeup artists have the pictures, so they make sure that Tony looks the same way he did the day before. And they're cutting his hair, and, and, and this guy's getting his hair cut next to him. It was wow. mind-boggling. That's what's up right there, him. man. But, you know, leave it to Tony, man. He's going to find a way yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. it, it was a good time. You know, I would go to hair and makeup every day. The wardrobe would, would be left in my trailer. So, I mean, it was pretty cool in yeah, that regard. no doubt. And then, 
the the best thing was the the royalty checks, which I you know I wasn't anticipating that either. Yeah, that was uh, I just I'm telling you when I went down there, it blew my mind. I I actually think you know he said he sat down next to Oliver and they had a chair with your name on it. Yeah, didn't they? They had the director's yeah. chair. They, they, they made that happen quick, T. They that, hey, you had... threatened them. Hey, you you played hard. And the worst part is Richie's ass probably had to get it done. <laughs> <Richie>. <laughs> That's right. They That's had. True. I had two chairs on set. I had one that had my name on it, and I had another one that said consigliere, because that's what Al Pacino was that's calling right. me throughout the movie, the consigliere, because they'd look for me for, for advice on football stuff. And so I still have the backings, the chair backings nice. at my house. That's great, man. It was un- unbelievable. But, it, you know, it's one of those things where, as you said, equipment manager is supposed to be this nameless, faceless job. Not for Tony Eggers. Right. No. <laughs> he, he found a no, way. He found a way to get his, yeah. <laughs> you go to home games after that, Tony would walk out of the tunnel. People would scream at him. Oh, hey, JT, Tony. Yeah. He'd turn away. He'd point to guys. He would get fan mail from Japan, you know, with, with trade, any given Sunday trading cards with Sal the trainer and Tony signing stuff and sending it back. Oh, that's great. It was fantastic. Good but stuff. I'm glad you brought up something else in that story. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of things you mentioned in that story that, that are, you know, really should be producing this show because you mentioned your OCD. And you mentioned your bathroom habits. Oh, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Juice, if you recall, <laughs> you know, at, at, at the training facility, there were the bathrooms by the showers Correct. that all the guys in the locker room had to use. Prison style. At, 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 totally <laughs> yeah. prison style. Right. Like, I mean, if I ever brought my family and gave them a tour, I wouldn't even go near no, them. Not because either. they might see somebody, but just, just it was horrific right. what went on in there. And then behind the double locked door of the equipment room that clearly uh, Coach Shula had established, I mm-hmm. guess, now that we learn that he didn't want people walking through there, there was a bathroom, a private bathroom, single stall, mirror, <laughs> hair care with products, a with a shower, and it was Tony's bathroom. And that thing was protected probably more than the jerseys and the cleats were, no was question. this bathroom. And so the best part about it, though, and there were like a select few people that Tone would allow to use the bathroom. Make sure you, you know, there were instructions. Hey, Tone, can I use the bathroom real quick? Lift the seat. Make sure you do this. Turn the water off. Don't spill. You know, you, you had the whole laundry list of things you had to do if you were going to use Tony's bathroom. But as much as Tony policed that bathroom, <laughs> there are just some people yep. that rank higher that maybe weren't in the movie, but that rank higher than Tony did yeah. in the organization. And if they were coming through there and wanted to use the bathroom, he had to say yes, and it ate at his very core. OJ, it, it would eat away at me like some sort of carnivorous bacteria. I mean, it, it just pained me to. And it was some, the greatest thing to bathroom. watch when it happened. It, it just pained me. We had we had yearly interns, right? They knew. Don't ever staff couldn't that, use it. Don't don't, think about don't it. go in that bathroom. Staff had to go. Don't, don't think about it. Don't so, ever go in that bathroom. So Tony, as you're here in the Fish Tank Studios and you overlook DJ Preach and you see the amazing court and and we have so many great stories about basketball here. It's a big part of the Fish Tank and we have something called the Top Five. And anybody who has played basketball here at OJ's Court ranks their top five people that have played ball here. And, and it's been a fun piece of of, uh, of this podcast. I know you haven't played in those games, mm-hmm. but I want to know who the top five guys are. That you absolutely despised using your private bathroom in the equipment room. Well, I despised anyone using my <laughs> right, bathroom. Right. I, I Some was, guys ranked there, higher than others. There wasn't a top five, but you know, Dan would come in there daily. Marino? Yeah. And I said, well, what are you going to tell Dan Marino for Christ's sake? He's, you know, one of the greatest football players to ever don a uniform. And 
Dan would just kill it. <laughs> just kill it. He would just murder it in there. Tony would be devastated and, every time. <laughs> and I remember one time. Ruin his day. I remember one time Eddie Jones was walking through the, our, our former president, Eddie Jones, w- walked through. And he, I don't know if he was going to go comb his hair. I don't know what he was going to do. He reaches for that door handle and opens it up. He goes, good Lord. And, and, I, and I, I looked at him and I go, Dan comes in every morning and just absolutely kills this bathroom. Just, that's just, he just degrades the entire bathroom. It's just, it's an embarrassment. Look at him now, Juice. He can't handle telling yeah. the story. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan would come in and use that bathroom. And you were helpless. Uh, yeah. You, what are you going to say? Stan Marino. You know? Oh my. JT would come in and use the bathroom. I remember one time. Dave wants that open the door. Dave was, Dave was <laughs> on his way out. And JT was kind of wearing his hat over and off the side. And he's holding the newspaper. His pants are down by his ankles. He looks at Dave. He goes, what? <laughs> and Dave goes, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he shuts the door on him. Hey, well, what are you going to say? It's Jason Taylor. No, you got to go use the other bathroom. You got to let him use the bathroom. As much as it pains me, oh, you let him use the bathroom. And then Dave, Dave would always come in. Dave would always come in and use the bathroom as well. And, I, you know, I, I loved Coach Wanson. I mean, I, I really well, – just a fantastic man. Yeah. But he always had <laughs> but. 20 things on his mind at the same time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, know what I mean, Tone? And so while he's, he's taking a leak, he's telling me about whatever else is going on. Never close the door. And, and I'm going, dude, you, you're going to – Pee outside. You're gonna pee you're on the miss, toilet. You're gonna miss. Well, be, be careful. No, you know. Oh my God! It was just, it, it was just gut wrenching to me to watch somebody walk into that bathroom. Oh, you man. know. And immediately, here we go. We got to clean it, and I'd, I'd pay the guy extra money to clean my bathroom. And, and please, sir, and you know. But it was just, it was a daily painstaking process oh, of watching certain people use my bathroom. Yeah, so you know. Good. So. So, so our good. top five that we've got, and I know you said there isn't one, but clearly Dan Marino is Dan is, Marino's up there, yeah. uh, up there uh, on a number of different charts mm-hmm. in Dolphins lore, and, and, and this is one right. of them. JT, Coach JT, Wanstead. Coach Wanstead, yeah. I, can't, I don't know that there was anybody else that necessarily would go in there and, and use it. Um, Are there a couple guys you absolutely would not want to? You, you've seen it all in that locker room. Yeah, did you ever you know, turn anybody you, around? Or just anybody that you would look out there like, that guy could never, ever, ever. Well, Izzo was notorious for oh, taking oh, off his clothes. But Izzo, naked yeah, Izzo would have to go to the bathroom. He had to get comfortable. He had to get naked. So, yeah, I wasn't having that. Another Izzo you know? naked story. Apparently. So, Izzo, was, it was, Izzo had to take off his clothes, and, you know, it was a process for oh, him. Man. And I just didn't want any of that. Right, you right. Know? That's great, man. That is absolutely that's outstanding, so, Tony, man. Great stuff. We're going to get Tony back on, Max. I know there are some more, like, behind-the-scenes stories, game-day stories. I man, think we're man, just scratching know, the surface. Yeah, there's a lot of good Tony <laughs> stuff, man. Because, you know, us athletes, you know, or former athletes or whatever, man, you know, we, we're, we're, we're tough to deal with. And guys like Tony, you know what I mean, they, they take the hits, man, and they keep on moving, man. That's a, you know, it is a thankless job, man. But I always appreciated those guys, man. And, you know, that's why I think they're all still real close friends of mine. But uh, Tony, man, that's, that's great stuff, brother. Good deal. That's great stuff. Yeah, we, we appreciate you coming out, Tony, and sharing these stories. And, and there are some classics. And, <laughs> and uh, 
And Juice is right. We'd love to get you back out here. I hope you'd be willing to dive back into the fish tank at some point. But as a token of our appreciation, one of the things that we like to do, our friends at Thunderous Genius Creative House, uh, we have this T-shirt for you. I know that you want to get it fitted. Uh, uh, (laughs) Tony used to send everything out to, you know, all the jerseys and Tony's clothes would go and get fitted. He's very particular about things. That's right. So, you know, you might have to give put a little work into this one here. But uh, this is our... Uh, creativity runs. There we go. That's awesome, me. right there. Yep. So that's thank that's you, a thank sir. you, um, and, and certainly thank you to all of our partners here at the Fish Tank, DJ Parish for helping us produce the show, and uh, hopefully, Tone, we can get you back out here soon. So for Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie, that's another episode of the Fish Tank. We hope to catch you guys sooner than later. Thanks for diving in, Tony. Thanks. You're now diving into the Fish Tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice, man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, dog fans, number one, One. of course, y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, I'm up in that fish tank. Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rockin' with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank. Okay, this one for them diehards Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive in fish tank Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank Rapping with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank